0: wheels are rolling rolling all along the highway wheels that keep a rolling all the night and day singing a song of the men behind the motor trucks a song of safety and service all along
1: the way hey welcome to another episode of the classic pickup podcast i'm your host michael whips and i hope you enjoy this episode Episode 75. This week we catch up with Sean Creswell. He's over in the States and uh, had a really good chat to Sean. He popped up on my radar because, unlike, uh, I guess, what we're doing over here quite a bit, but he's in America and he's got a, a really cool C10 and he's converted it to right-hand drive. So he's done um, effectively the opposite um, opposite to what you'd think that you know they'd be doing or, or what we're doing over here quite often. Uh, we take the left-hand drive vehicles and convert them to right-hand drive but he's done that over in the states and he's done that you know you'll hear him talk about it but just to be different i guess you know and um so he's he's got a really cool truck and you'll hear about it as well he's building a pretty cool suburban at the moment as well which he's also converted to right hand drive so something really different i had a really really cool chat with sean really nice dude so hope you guys enjoy this episode um now i recorded this a few weeks ago but what recording now this introduction uh, is on Tuesday before our pickup show so I just wanted to give a last-minute rundown for those guys who are making the the trip up to the Edomoga pub Um, so yeah it is the Edamoga pub on in tabletop uh, just north of Aubrey-Wodonga it's about it's literally 10 minutes north of Aubrey Um, if you're coming down there's no massive big signs that say Edmoga Pub here, so I would recommend that you put it in your Google Maps and it'll show you where to turn off into Tabletop. It's a bit of a um, don't blink or you miss it kind of little town um, and the pub and the little motels about all that's there, but it's, uh, it's a really good spot. I was down there the other day just making sure it wasn't all flooded out because obviously we're having a lot of rain down here. Uh, forecast looks to be um, looking pretty good actually, clearing up for it really good drainage the car park was all dry so we're gonna have no trouble with all that and there's plenty of indoor seating so even if there's a bit of rain we can sit inside and have a beer and have a chat so really good location for it so look forward to seeing everyone there um yeah if you aim to get there from you know two o'clock onwards see how long we hang out for uh, i guess if it's really shitty weather it won't be that exciting but Hopefully we get some good weather and uh, we can just have a wander around of a beer and a chat and meet all the other truck owners and builders and have a really good um, get together. So looking forward to that guys. Uh, I'm bringing my truck. Um, I've got it on the trailer. Obviously it's not finished. It's a long way from that. But uh, yeah, we talked about it so much on the podcast. I thought it would be good to bring it and you know, anyone that wants to have a look can. And also going to drag the Suburban that we're building along as well on the trailer. So. Yeah, that's, uh, so I can guarantee I'll have two trucks there, so that's a good start, but uh, no, hopefully we get 50 to 100 trucks, it'd be pretty amazing, but we'll, we'll get what we can, and, and for the first event, really looking forward to it. Um, I know the Bright Rod Run's firing up, I, It's like as I said, today's Tuesday, I've already seen a heap of classic cars driving around Mount Beauty, because that's what happens, guys come in for the week, and then they just cruise around, so starting to see lots of cars. And, you know, if, if you're coming or a friend's coming and you've got another classic car that isn't a truck, and uh, more than welcome to bring it. We'll just have an area to park all the classics, um, but we'll keep all the trucks together as well. So it should be really good. So anyway, that's enough babbling on from me. Um, Sean Creswell interview, really cool. This guy, um, he's got his finger on the pulse, I think. He's just, I, I like the fact that he's not doing cookie cutter stuff that everyone else is doing. I like that there's a, bit of individuality going on so yeah hope you guys enjoy this one um hopefully see a bunch of you in a couple of days at the Anamoka pub thanks for listening guys see you soon uh sean thanks mate for um for joining me we had a bit of a um a dance around the time zones but we finally got this sorted out um mainly my inability to work things out but uh you just finished a big day at work over in california how you doing man
2: yeah no uh, you know it's pretty good you know just living the living the California dream or the American dream as they say, but you know, shitty ass gas prices and can't go cruising or anything like that. Cause you know, it's a big block and it's, uh, it's getting hectic over here right now. Um, yeah,
1: well, we actually literally today, um, the government have just dropped like, they had a 25 cent kind of embargo thing where they were making fuel a bit cheaper and it just got dropped today. So the price of our gas has just gone up a quarter. So yeah, it's crazy.
2: What, uh, what's the average gallon?
1: oh i'm gonna have a hard time working all that out we're, we're running liters over here but um
2: oh yeah that's true
0: <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> I'd, I'd need five minutes to do the maths. but um yeah we' we're, we're paying uh about two dollars 30 a liter at the moment
2: wow okay yeah i think we just wanted to i think the the most expensive gas that i've seen over here was uh 680 a gallon that's, yeah, right. That's for the, the garbage 86, you know, that we have over here. The 91's not bad, but I mean, just the regular 86 is horrible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's getting hard, especially when, yeah, you've, when you've got a gas guzzler, it doesn't help things out. I mean, you guys have been pretty lucky over there for a long time. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It hasn't turned to, hasn't turned to Mad Max over here yet, but uh, it's getting
1: close. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, well, let's rewind the clock a bit, Sean. I mean, um, you know you're pretty deeply involved in the um the custom car scene at the moment but you know was that something that you picked up from from family or or, or where did it all start for you back in when you were younger
2: uh yeah i mean it it essentially it, it basically started um from from my dad he was uh back in i want to say uh 50, 52 to 55 he used to race quarter midgets, And uh those were basically a little fiberglass car with uh you know a small little Tecumseh or Briggs Stratton motor in the back of it. And he basically had a lap belt and they'd go around a dirt track and he as far as I know he still has the records because they tore down all the tracks that he used to race at back in the day. Um so he I mean I've got books and books and books of time trials that my grandma wrote down uh, heat races trophy dashes a mains all that stuff so his his childhood with my grandpa kind of spawned what we do now um, and he he started when I was two uh, building custom radio flyer wagons and we went to one of the big swap meets uh, here in Southern California it's Pomona swap meet um, and he saw a guy walking around with a radio flyer wagon and some go-kart wheels and tires on it asked him how much he wanted for it and the guy told him i guess like 400 bucks so he said well hell I'll, I'll build one for that and it basically spawned into a custom radio flyer wagon with four mini bike shocks um custom paint by bill Hines. it's got 17 heim joints it has a trailer with a small little old school like igloo cooler on the back of it Real tailgate opens on the on the bottom of it the whole frame is chrome i mean it's it just it exploded And I was two years old and he basically wanted something that he could pull me around to swap me into car shows other than the stroller. So that kind of grew into building multiple wagons, uh, you know, lowrider wagons and stuff like that. We'd go to car shows and we went to an off-road show. Um, and a a few of the guys asked why we don't have an off-road wagon. So he built an off-road wagon with some big old Dick CPEC, spider Trek tires, uh, air shocks, Uh, a scissor lift underneath the tub, a roll cage. It's got three KC lights on top, a compressor and a battery underneath. When it's from the ground to the very top of the lights, it goes up to about seven foot six. And it's just just a radio flyer wagon. You just pull this thing. Mm -hmm. So it it just kind of slowly spawned into, you know, me kind of doing my own thing with, uh, you know, like beach cruisers, because obviously we're right by the beach. Um, So I was building custom bicycles and, uh, you know, kind of building my own little wagons and go carts. And then uh, we went from Southern California up to Oregon, and I lived uh, I lived up in Oregon for uh, about 13 years. I was a volunteer firefighter up there in uh, an EMT, and kind of just kept going with the car theme because there weren't there weren't a lot of places or cars that had the California style. So moving up there, uh, I kind of just did California style, and everybody loved it. And then I moved down to Vegas. Uh, worked in a few shops. I worked at Rick's Restorations. Um, he used to have a show. Uh, I want to say like four or five years ago now. Uh, it was uh, uh, American Restoration on the History Channel. And I, I think you guys are still getting. I think you guys are still getting the seasons and the episodes down there right now
1: yeah we get yeah we get it on um, on seven mate I, I was actually I'm chatting with him um, right now about doing an episode with him so oh, that's no. funny you funny you bring that up because yeah. um, there's there's a lady here in um, in Melbourne who has a really nice um, I think it's like a 64 sort of that era uh, a red c10 and I approached her about doing an interview and she said that oh, I didn't really build it Rick from Rick's Restorations built it. And um, so I'm going to try and tie the two of them together into an episode, but that's funny that you bring that up.
2: Yeah, uh, if if it was a red and white truck that uh, I want to say, I'm pretty sure that used to be Brett Lee's truck. Um, Yeah, right. I I think it's one of the ones that he built on the show uh, before I started. But uh, yeah, I worked for for him uh, the fifth season going into the last season. Uh, I want to say the sixth was the last episode that he did. Um, And then moved back up to Vegas. And then, or uh, Oregon, excuse me. Um, and then uh, back to Vegas the second time. And I, you know, I've been working at, at numerous shops and hot rod shops, the fab shops, the body shops, just kind of slowly, I guess, kind of in what I do and how I do it. Uh, I mean, my whole my whole motto is I'll build it before I buy it. So yeah. if, if there's any kind of parts, truck parts, car parts, anything like that that you can use on something else, use it. As long as you know the geometry and how stuff's supposed to work and the suspension and all that stuff, it will work the same. It's, it's different than everybody else is doing. So kind of just growing up with that. And then, uh, my dad passing away in 09, it kinda, of, it kinda of basically brought home that this is what I wanted to do. So after that and his whole thing was, he would always tell me, you know, that that's not going to work or, that's not going to happen the way you think it's going to, I would always try to outdo him. So, if you, well, if you tell me, no, watch this, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm gonna make it work. It might not be the way that you thought I was going to do it, but it's still, you know, it still works. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just that. And now uh, I, I basically about six months ago, al- almost eight months ago, I basically said, fuck it. I'm tired of, you know, I'm tired of working for other people and uh, I've started my own shop. So I've, I've got, I've got some pretty good business. Um, I've got some really good friends that have, you know, cars and stuff like that that want stuff done. So luckily them knowing me and my backgrounds and everything like that, they're, they're pretty comfortable with uh, how I do stuff and, and how, how quick I can get it done. And it, it blows them away when I could just tell them that's, you know, really easy. All we got to do is this, that, move that over. And they look at me and go, I don't, I don't know how, you, what you just said. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that is, that's a plus for me. Um, I can do a, you know, a, a six or seven hour, you know, job in two and a half hours because I do it different than the normal way that everybody else does it. So it, it, it took some time. It took some doing a lot of, a lot of cool people, a lot of great people helped me along the way. Uh, you know, I'm so humble and appreciate all the help they did. And then there's other people that can, you know, just suck it easy and get hit by a bus. Um, you know, on on the flip side of that. So, I mean, everybody that's been a part of, Part of my life and the part of the car world, you know, I I obviously appreciate, but uh, yeah, it, it mainly just started with my dad doing custom stuff that he he wanted to be different, and he kind of you know made a side hobby and uh, almost a business, but not really uh, too much you can do with a custom radio flyer wagon that uh, people didn't start kind of just recreating in the '90s, and now now there's not a whole lot of people doing the custom wagons, so I'm going to be transitioning into that again. And basically doing it and building them how he did back then when I was a kid, so that way now somebody who bought a wagon back then for their kid is passing it on to their kid. Now I'm basically going to be building wagons for the grandkids' kids. So it's it's just a it's a weird cycle, you know. It's it's crazy, but
0: no, that's really cool.
1: And you know, for for people who are listening to the podcast, especially here in Australia, like a wagon with four wheels, aren't they?
2: Yeah, just a little red wagon. All you do is pull it. You put it. You put whatever the hell you want in it and just pull it. Or, if you're brave enough, you sit in it and try to steer it in a straight line down a hill and hope to God it doesn't turn you off. start you know, going end over end, which I've done a few times. I've learned. Um, but then you make them custom, and you make them wider and longer, and you have you know, all the support and everything. You go 40, 50 miles per hour with a motor on it, and, and it's a whole other spectrum on motorized stuff then. But I was always any pig for uh, for all my dad's you know go karts and mini bikes and wagons and stuff like that. He'd take it down the street. Something would fall off, or I you know crash into the curb or something, and he he would fix it. And then he, we would sell it to you know somebody else's kid or somebody else that wanted it for their kid or a friend or whoever. But yeah, but uh, what he would do with them was he would take that little red tub. Um, he would take that and then throw everything else away, and he'd build a custom three quarter inch square tube frame. Mini bike shock, go kart wheels and tires. Lower them down. Um, I'll I'll send you a, a few a few photos. Yeah, send me some pics. Yeah, I'll for sure. Some pictures of uh, basically what I'm talking about: the, the off road wagon, the limo. It's a it's a six wheeled wagon with a, a wood c cab over it. Um, and that that one is it's been autographed by Larry Watson, Bill Hines, Ed Roth, all the all the California customizers from back in the 50s and 60s. They all signed the top of it uh, obviously before they died. Uh, so, I mean, just, just the top of that has so much history for California customizers that it's just, I mean, I don't, I do obviously I'm not going to sell any of the first ones, um, as well as all of the first ones that I build. So I'm, um, I, I mean, for the right price, I might let the truck go, but it, it's, it's probably not going to go very fast. <laughs> No, it was a it was an awesome
1: trail then. Ah, very good. Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about um, you know doing things a bit cheap and finding something that's already a production thing off another vehicle and and trying to make that fit into to what you're doing. I mean, that's basically uh, in a lot of ways that's how Australian hot rodding works because we don't have we have a lot of uh, engineering rules that limit us to doing things like, you know, you you can make a custom independent front end yourself and just put it all together and, and drive it. Whereas we can't really do that. So it's, it's quite popular for us to take, say like a Jag independent front end and put it into a vehicle or, you know, things like that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's literally interesting. I mean, you, you know, you've, you will get into this, but you've converted your truck to right hand drive and, and done a few things like that. But yeah, here in Australia, it's, it is quite often, you know, what what steering rack from another car will work in my vehicle build because it's an OEM part, the engineer generally is okay with it rather than us trying to create something ourselves, which you know is difficult to do here. So it's interesting to hear how you've done that.
2: Yeah, no, I, I basically My my whole truck is kind of a uh hard pod, pod not Run-of-the-mill kind of build, you know. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't buy a, a front crossmember kit from Portabelt or GSI or a rear kit, you know, from any of those big-name guys. Um, my truck, i I started it like two and a half years ago, three years ago now, um, and it was basically just to get on the road. It was a patina truck. Nobody up in Oregon had one, because, like I said, I was building it California style. Um, so the patina was real popular down here at the time. And I, I basically built the truck the first time in a guy's barn. And it was a wood floor. He had the torches, and the mill and all that Did some trade work. Um, but it was a, a factory frame. I notched the rear. And then I pancaked the cross member an inch and a half to get it to sit a little bit lower. And then I drove it to a car show two weeks after I, I started building it. And then I since moved to Vegas the first time, or the second time, excuse me. And I, I wanted to basically do a, a GSI back half like everybody else was doing. But I, at the time, I was working like three different jobs trying to save money and whatnot, and I, I just couldn't save up enough with bills and everything else to get the to get the kit. So I just bought some two by four uh, rectangle tubing, laid it all out. The frame was basically straight frame rail. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, and then I had the cross member and the rear end laying on the garage floor and measured everything out, and just built it from there but to do the to do the right hand drive conversion, I wanted to do a steering rack but uh, a company here in the states called flaming River they sell steering columns and uh double g joint connectors and stuff like that for for steering and they they sell a specific right hand drive uh rack opinion, uh rack. So that's that right there is like eight hundred and seventy nine hundred dollars. That's a little out of my price range for something that I I want, but I I can do something a little bit different. And when I was building the truck in Vegas after building the frame rails and whatnot, that's when I was like, well, I want to do right-hand drive. So we were actually working on uh, three split window sixty-two Corvettes, the fiberglass, you know, typical. Uh, original sports car from the '60s, And uh, I I basically, I took one of those uh, steering boxes home and uh, I was looking at it and the way it bolted all of the truck steering boxes, they bolt to the inside of the frame rail. And what I had to do was flop the steering box to the passenger side of the, to the frame. Well, I didn't want to build this big, gigantic, gnarly looking like bracket that hung off the side of the frame just to hold the truck box. So instead, a, a Chevy truck bolts to the outside, not the inside of the frame rail. It bolts to the outside of the frame rail. So if you move that theoretically across the frame, then its its mounting holes are either backwards or upside down. So a, a, a Chevy car, it bolts to the inside of the frame rail, which in turn, you can bolt that to the outside of the frame rail. So I took that steering box home, checked it, kind of looked it over and everything like that. And the, the splines on the Corvette steering box were the same as the 64 truck steering box. It was a, a four uh, four groove splined steering shaft. So the truck pitman arm slid right on the, the 62 Corvette box. So I was like, well, that's easy enough. You know, it's not really going to hurt anything. It's cool. Bolts on the same. And then I, I cut the ends of the drag link and flip those because moving the, the idler arm and the Pitman arm, you have to you have to flip-flop those because the taper of the tie rod ends are also different. So you can't just flip that drag link over. Um, so I, I cut the ends off, moved the, the Chevy car steering box from the inside of the frame to the outside of the frame. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I built my own right-hand drive steering. And now I can go to any parts store. I can get replacement tie rod ends, idler arm, Pitman arm, uh, ball joints, anything like that for a 64 C 10, instead of getting a, you know, a custom uniball hind joint that I have to wait three days to get shipped from, you know, Amazon or uh, Speedway motors or, you know, summit anywhere, anywhere that sells custom steering, you know, uh, components like that. Um, I, I can just literally break something, walk to the next part store, replace it and get home. So it's, it's always, like I was saying, I'll, I'll build it before I buy it. But my whole motto is keep it simple, stupid. So if, if I can legitimately buy replacement parts that I don't have to wait, I will try my damnedest to do it so I can actually do that. You know, get the replacement part where nobody else can. And all the, all the custom stuff now like I was saying Porta Belt and GSI and all that, they use they use specialty stuff. They use hardware that you have to either get from them or know a place around you that sells the same product. So I mean their their stuff is great. I'm not you know, I'm not dissing them, I'm not talking trash on their product, but you're kinda of limited on what you can do with those parts. But if you if you know the concept of, you know, the the geometry of your, your caster and your camber and your toe and all that stuff you could weld Ford parts on a Dodge that you're putting into a Honda. Yeah, as long as everything is the same and it's all strong enough to withstand road, you know, use. You don't have to. You don't have to buy the specialty stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah, hundred percent. You don't have to follow the shadows of everybody else. That this one car that I saw had this one part, which looked really cool. It also cost a lot of money. But then Joe Schmo and Steve and John and Chris. They all have the same stuff. So, I mean, the, the whole one of the other reasons why I built my truck the way I did was everybody has beautiful paint. They all have the same suspension. They all have the same wheels and tires. They all have the same LS motors, LS components, the same TMI interior, wherever they get their interior. I'm patina, all factory running gear, uh, with exception of, you know, the big block. Um, I have a big block and not an LS. I have a Serape blanket that you can get in Tijuana down in Mexico over my seat, and it's right-hand drive. So the other the other reason why I built my truck the way I did is if you go to any truck show, any truck event, like what we have here, Brothers or Dinos or uh, you know any any big name like C10 Intervention, if you ever come over to the states and you go to any C10 truck blazer car show. The one thing I'll tell you that's really going to disappoint you is the only difference of every vehicle on the property is the color. Hmm. The wheels are the same. The running gear is the same. The suspension's all the same. It's just different colored trucks. And that's what really kind of, you know, it kind of bugged me that so many people were following the same criteria of how to build a truck. So I have no paint. It's natural patina. It's a big block. It's not an LS. It's right hand drive because everybody obviously over here in america is left hand you know left side drive um uh, it's got uh basically one off air suspension from a company here in uh here in vegas in nevada um the frame i built myself from scratch it has factory front and rear you know components in it so i i didn't want to be the the same i didn't want to follow the same crowd and i think that's why it gets such a big such a big following and uh, excitement when I come pulling in, you know, straight headed out defenders with just the the amount of noise this thing makes. You hear me before you see me. Uh, But I mean, just to just to be different and unique is what makes you stand out from the crowd.
1: Yeah. No, I hear that. I, I, I was at Dino's get down in 2019 and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there, there's a not that it's a good or a bad thing, like you say, but there's a cookie, cookie cutter way to do things, you know, and everyone's got the same components. Um, and it's almost the Meccano set because you're just bolting bits together that are all available off the shelf. And you right. know, it's, it's not it's not good or bad. It's what it is. But yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate. Um, yeah, definitely that, you know, because here in Australia, I mean, everyone imports the trucks from the States. Yep. Well, not everyone, not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people and, and so a lot of guys will leave them left hand drive because it's, you know, it, it is exactly what you're talking about. It's different, it's unique. Um, and then, you know, there's a handful of guys who still will convert them over to right hand drive just for the, you know, maybe a little bit safer for driving um, on the road and that sort of stuff for some people. But uh, yeah, it's definitely um, interesting. When I was over there, I, I was on a property I was, I was driving around looking for parts for my truck and I ended up pulling up on this property and they had a, a little international scout. It was like a Scout 80 or something like that. And um, these guys had the hood up and they were working on it and it was a right-hand drive scout.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and this was in Arizona and I was blown away. I was like, what the hell is this for? But it was a postal vehicle originally. So yeah, it was right-hand drive. drivers. Yeah, cool.
2: uh, right now at, the, at my shop, I'm actually working on a, a 71 Ford uh, male courier truck. And it, it originally had a, you know, I beam, uh, or not I beam, but, a like a Bronco two front suspension with the wishbones and all that and coils and shocks and everything. And, uh, I'm actually taking that out and putting in a uh, Mustang two IFS airbag, uh, capable, uh, front cross member and everything. And he's doing an LS swap in that. So it's, it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, all the right-hand drive stuff is when it when you see it over here, you can't get parts for it. So it's the same for you guys. Like when it when somebody sends over a, a left-hand drive, an American vehicle, a left-hand drive, you can't get left-hand drive parts. I'm I'm assuming it's it's not as easy as you know as as for us. Um, but I mean, all the right-hand drive stuff, everything that you guys have over there, um, a lot of it isn't compatible with what our right hand drive stuff is over here. So your your steering columns, uh like the, the blinker switches might be on the right side of the column, which is what you know you're used to over there. But here, if you move the steering column over, the blinker switch is still on the left. So if we if we transition one of like your guys's uh steering components or dashboard parts or something like that, every everything is kinda it's different. And then like you were saying with the, the leaders compared to gallons you guys have kilometers an hour. We've got miles per hour. So all of all of the gauge stuff is completely different and unique. And uh, it's I mean it's cool in a in a way that it's it's different. But I mean in the in the long term run, it's it's a lot harder to get parts <laughs> than a lot of people think.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it, funny you're talking about your um using the Corvette um steering box. So when I came over in 2019, um part of the reason I came over was to get a Cummins for my truck because I'm putting a 12 valve in in my Chev and I ended up buying a complete running truck and you know I basically just chopped the chassis behind the um, transmission crossmember and 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 shipped it back with the radiator you know intercooler uh, engine training the whole works and it, it also had the, um, the power steering box on there and And what I've discovered which is exactly sort of what you're talking about so I'm using a left-hand drive 98 Dodge Ram power steering um, arm on my right-hand drive truck with a right-hand drive C20 IFS and it literally like the arm and everything everything fits slots in and it's the same thing because it's bolted on the other side of the, the chassis rail to what originally it was it works as a right-hand drive instead of a left-hand drive. So it's the same thing that you came across, which is really, that's good. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, that's well, pretty cool.
2: I will say, though, that uh, I did find this out, the new the new kind of sister ship that I'm building right now to the truck. Uh, I mean, the, the truck's awesome. I love the truck to death. You know, the, the patina, the right-hand drive, the big block, all that stuff. What I'm building now is a 64 Suburban, uh, or carry-all, as they call it. Uh, but it is... A twin-turbo, 6-liter LS. Um, I have a front differential and axles along with the transmission and transfer case out of a a 88 to 98 Chevy Silverado. And full-air suspension, cantilever, front air, all that stuff. The motor is moved so far back that just the throttle body of the intake and the turbos are... On the engine bay side of the firewall, so everything is moved back so far that my rear driveline from the transfer case to the rear end is—I I, want to say it's 26 twenty-six and a half inches long—and then from the transfer case to the front differential is like fifty-nine and a quarter. So, ironically, from the four-wheel drive cars, the rear driveline is usually longer than the front. Well, I've flip-flopped it, so my short my rear one is the shortest my front went stupid long. Uh but it it's on my it's on my Instagram uh for the for the shop. Uh, uh I'll send you some send you some photos of that too. But the the uh, steering rack since we're talking about the steering stuff, I got uh one of the local swap meets. It's a 2009 to 2012 uh Toyota Tacoma steering rack. And I saw that sitting there and the guy wanted 20 bucks for it, it's brand new. So hell yeah, I'll just flip this over. I'll have a I'll have a steering rack. Well, built the mounts for it, built the chassis, you know, it's the same way as my truck, just straight frame rails back, but then had to build this big gigantic cradle for the front differential and the axles and spindles, all that stuff. And I put the I put the steering rack on it and hooked all the hooked everything up. I got a quick release wheel on it, everything. I turned it left and the wheels went no right. so I'm, i'm sitting here looking at it going what the hell did i just do and i didn't i didn't realize from and this is one of those things you know obviously you build it before you buy it and all that without doing research that the shaft that goes into the steering rack is on the bottom of the worm gear that moves the wheels front to back so when you flip that that worm gear is now on the bottom of the shaft so when you turn it right it will shove the worm gear the opposite direction to the left. And there's no way I could fix it. There's no way I can modify the steering unless I moved it back to the left and did like a chain drive and a gear and all that. It's just unsafe. So now I have to save all my pennies and count the chickens, as they say, um, to actually buy one of those expensive $900 flaming river, right hand drive steering racks that they build for performance and conversions. Um, so that that's kind of one of those things where I can't really do anything about it. I kind of just have to bite the bullet. Um, but I, there again, it's one thing that I can advertise that you know this company builds a great product. Here's what it is, showcase it, all that stuff. But hopefully I can hopefully I can break the internet with uh, with the suburban because I'm building it basically to drift, to autocross, to you know pull the handbrake and slide up the freeways and stuff like that. It, it's going to be a handful. So I, hopefully it's coming soon. I'm going to have it down at Dinos this year. So. We'll, uh, we'll see how that one goes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I've seen some photos. It looks really cool and, and it's almost like you've put a wide body flare kit on it. Like what what's the what's the reason for that?
2: Yeah, uh, well, there again to be different. You know, you can't be you can't be the same every every airbag suburban out there looks the same until you open the hood. And then there's the, you know, no motor cuz it's all just suspension. Uh, but yeah, I I took a, an extra hood, front fenders, and bedsides off of a 60 to 66 Chevy truck and basically grafted those onto the side and made mounts. It's a, essentially a full metal wide body um, that I built for it that once I get it a little bit more into the non crude stage it is, as it is right now, it's just all tacked together. Uh, but once I get all the flaws kind of rubbed out, I'm gonna uh, use those as a template and make them a fiberglass. So mm-hmm. if anybody wants to wide body their truck or suburban or whatever, I'll have uh, a specific uh, bracket, nuts, and and uh, the panels themselves made out of fiberglass. And uh, a buddy of mine that still lives over in Las Vegas. Uh, he, he is actually from France. And he is probably the best carbon fiber from scratch person I've ever seen make anything out of carbon fiber. And if I, if I send him all the stuff, once I have everything ironed out, he could potentially for obviously a, a astronomical amount, uh, make them out of carbon fiber form. So if anybody, if anybody wants this kit that I'm going to be, uh, hopefully kind of getting into production, maybe like two or three kits, uh, they can either have a choice of fiberglass or carbon fiber. So it, it's kind of a, a cool little, uh, revenue and uh, kind of route that I'm going down with, something that isn't offered but will be uh will be out there for anybody that wants to just have something different
1: yeah no it's cool I, yeah and like you say i mean it it really does look different and uh the minute i think you sent me a photo when we first started chatting and you were off to a to a car show with it and i was just like holy shit, what is that you know
2: yeah when it was on the back of the ramp truck <laughs>
1: yeah and, and normally when you see that sort of a body kit on a truck over there it's it's because someone's just done a re-body onto another chassis you know like quite often it'll be you know you might have a a, a smaller early square body or something and you'll put it on a silverado and the wheelbase is a bit wider so then they've got these dicky flares just to make it all fit and and that was my sort of first thought when i saw that is that you might have been putting it onto a normal drive subaru turbo body or something like that but no it's cool that you've um you know you're just doing that all totally custom and um yeah it's it's going to be a beast yeah,
2: no, I, I kind of what I'm trying to do with my with my shop is I want to I want to basically build something that you that you can't buy anywhere else. You know, if I yeah. if I build a, a C10 for somebody and four other their people are lined up and they want to they want the C10 built the same way. I'm going to build their truck in a way that's not identical to the previous vehicle, but is going to stand out on their own. And, and be under the umbrella of my shop building a C10. Whether, whether I'm only building C10s the rest of my life, not every truck is going to be the same. Like if I build, if I were to take a factory cross member and rear end like I did my truck and build another frame, it would be, it would be different in a way that it wouldn't look similar, but it would handle the same. It would function the same. Um, all the geometry would be identical. But it would be you know it would have tubes going through it and welded up so you can see all the way through the frame rail or it would have uh like a design ground in it or plazed in it or you know it it would be something that would stand out but still be exactly the same as the truck you know prior to it
1: yeah i mean you, you know very early on in the piece um actually when i was over there in 2019 i i sat down with um del Yushenko, um in his shop and you know i did a i did a podcast interview with him and you know he he obviously quite famously came over from canada and and he had this really clean style with the c10s when he first started building them and and it's fair to say now that you know almost every every truck you see has been almost copied off his early style and to the point where he doesn't do that anymore he's like well everyone's doing that i am gonna go build 4 drives you know so yep. yeah it's interesting that you know at, at one point in time you could have looked at a truck from across the car park and said oh del Yushenko built that and um and these days it's it's become you know which is a, a probably a nice thing to say but it, everyone's copied that style to a degree and and it's been done you know
2: yeah yeah i mean everybody now there's a lot of people kind of jumping on the crew cab um the crew cab bandwagon taking the sixty to sixty sixes making those crew cabs uh turning the sixty nine to seventy twos into crew cabs which is basically a, a cut down suburban um you know for for that year range uh but one of the one of the other things I've always wanted to do is the uh the 73 to 78 blazer with two wheel drives uh they had the the door and roof section, it was basically a unibody. And then they had just like a the camper shell that came off. But the, the previous years, the four-wheel drive, the whole entire roof would come off to where the, from the top of the door all the way back to the tailgate was just one one flat just cap all the way across. So I want to take a 60 to 66, basically a 64 to 66, but I'm not really a knee knocker fan or what they call an e-knocker, where the windshield comes back into the, the uh, interior. Um, but I want to take one of those, turn it into a, a unibody, and then cut the whole uh, the back of the cab and the, the front bed cap out, so that way it's a full pass-through, like those 73 to 77, 78 Blazers were, and then have a removable shell on the back, so you can take it off, you know, cruise down the beach, all that stuff. And then uh, I want to take a a 64 to 66 suburban. I've only seen a couple of photos of probably one and it's teal, but somebody took one of those and they cut it down to a a size of a blazer. So it's, you got the driver's window and then basically the, the solid glass quarter window was moved all the way up to the back of the door. And they basically shortened a suburban into a blazer size and it looked awesome. I've never seen another one, but that's, that's kind of one of the goals. Obviously somebody else has made one, but not to what I would do to it, obviously. So I don't want to, I don't want to copy what they did with like interior and running gear and wheels, tires, all that stuff, but just the overall size of it. I don't think you can really kind of you know, shun somebody for cutting a, a suburban down like they did. Like the whole, the whole roof was probably crunched in the middle and they just cut it down thinking it looked cool, not realizing what it could possibly start. So I yeah, just, those, those two ideas are, they're brewing in my head because everybody else is doing the, the typical painted and, you know, same stuff and uh, cookie cutter, like what you said. And then uh, the, the crew cab style is really big now over here. So there's just, there's a lot of, it only takes two or three people to really build one thing that, everybody else wants to do and it could be it could be like me it's just a no-name guy but if two other people do it it kind of catches on and then it just goes like crazy unless it's one one you know real big name guy will build something and then everybody else just jumps on board
1: yeah and that's human nature isn't it i mean you know you just you know trends or fads or whatever you want to call it and you know something new so yeah no that's really cool
2: yeah i mean there's so much. There's so much in in the the car industry that nobody really looks at. Like you can take you can take the ugliest station wagon that you've ever, or just the one of the cars you thought was hideous, put some bronze wheels or black wheels on it, and put air suspension on it. I guarantee you will fall in love with that car. Because there were so many station wagons and just ugly ass cars that I have grown up with that I have hated. One person has built it to where it had air suspension on it or different wheels and tires and lowered it. And I have tried to find that car the rest of my days just to have something that looked as cool as that car. And it's just, I mean, you, you could do so much with the ugliest thing. You could put lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. But you could change the color of the lipstick on the pig and it looks completely different than, you know, the the first pig that you saw. <laughs> So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what what people can do.
1: Yeah, st- stance and wheels is a big thing for sure. Um, i tell you what was, uh, what was kind of good this morning with my stuff up with our time zones was that, uh, you know, I went and had another cup of coffee, and then I ended up seeing you posted about an episode that you had on the Hoonigan um, YouTube channel and uh, sat down and watched that. So, tell us a little bit about that experience. How did that come about?
2: Yeah, that was... I'll, I'll tell you right now that was insane <laughs> it was it was a cool it was a cool experience um i basically drove the truck down to the beach one day and uh there's there's multiple bars down there so you can always just bar hop and go to restaurants and stuff like that and i drove the truck down just to drive the truck get it out you know just kind of blow the cobwebs off of it after i, I basically just got it done and uh one of the guys it was a, a like cars and coffee uh, Meetup they have every saturday here uh one of the guys from hoonigan asked if i wanted to do a, a a podcast kind of like what we're doing i was like yeah, sure you know I, yeah that sounds fun yeah i'll do that and they they hooked me up with all the information told me where to go and i, I drove the truck up there and basically was told yeah you're gonna basically either blow your tires or your motor which one do you want to do and i, I go excuse me what because <laughs> i mean i've I've heard of the Hoonigans. I've seen the Hoonigans. I've seen Ken block stuff, you know, Jim Connor stuff. I watched all that stuff in the past, but I, I didn't know that they were doing run of the mill, you know, daily driver cars and people building cars and then showcasing it. So once I kind of got, you know, did some research and looked into all that stuff, I was like, Fuck yeah, this is going to be fun. So I, I got up there and basically Zach that- uh reaction with it was how everybody else is where did it come from what did you do this is built this way how How? have why and this and that and it just kind of i mean it, it spawned into some awesome friendships with uh a couple of the guys from the um but yeah just just getting in that thing and going full throttle like i did in the video um and then going once i realized that i still had tire left and going underneath the trailer um in the in the beginning of that video they did kind of the the standing photo shot so that way they can kind of uh, prelude into the the video. Um, And I I was like, you know, I think I'm going to fit under this trailer. And I just aired it out just enough to be able to roll. And, you know, sure enough, I I went right underneath the trailer. My buddy was like, dude, you're good. I was like, all right, cool. So in in the beginning of that video, um, what I intended on doing was doing the burnout and then going under the trailer. But kind of just got a little heavy footed and said screw it i just pinned it and that's when i i delaminated the the tire because the tires i had on at the time were from the first go around that i was building it and i was working at a trailer place up in oregon and they were actually trailer tires they're not for like highway use for cars or anything like that they were 40 dollars a piece and my boss goes if you need some tires i got some extra ones over here and they're brand new i was like oh yeah so i put them on the truck so that's in the video, those are the tires that I had on it that were specifically trailer use only. Uh, cause I, I assumed that eventually I would get tires for it, but they were brand new. I said, screw it. They're fine. I'm just going to run these. So when I delaminated the tread, uh, that's when I realized that I still had tire left and I knew it wasn't going to last long cause it was just wires and some, you know, rubber liner. Uh, but yeah, when, when I went underneath the trailer and it finally blew that thing disintegrated. And it, it, it kind of buckled the fender well a little bit and all that stuff. And everybody's comments on that video, if you go if you go and look at it again, just start going through the comments, everybody was just hounding me on, oh, he screwed the bed up. Why did he do that? You know, the whole thing's buckled. It's ruined now. It's never going to match the paint. I, I literally stuck my foot on the crease and just bent the fender well back and said it's perfect. You know, I, I built it to enjoy. <laughs> you know, I wasn't worried about the paint. There's rubber. I still have rubber stuck to the inside of the tailgate from that video, like it's it's caked on a good probably inch thick. So I mean, if you ever want to do some good burnouts, which you guys obviously do hellacious burnouts, um, right, trailer tires are are very smoky. They don't last long, but they are very <laughs> smoky tires. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I never, you know, going back to it, I never built the truck to have such um ah, what's the word such such a following that it does you know I just built it to be different and uh now you can google either RHD C10 or spell out right hand drive C10 and the Hoonigan video is the first thing that pops up and like four or five other videos of the truck. So I mean it's it's so humbling that you know so many people like the truck. But I, I didn't build it for that. You know, it's weird. I, that's probably as crazy as that sounds. I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love the attention. It's awesome. But, but just to have something that you can keyword on a global search engine for the internet and it be the first thing that pops up, it's, it's just mind-blowing. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's insane that the Hoonigans asked me to do it. Obviously, it's something different. Um, it's something that they wanted and I've, I've done some stuff, uh, with Zach and the Huggins, uh, since then. Uh, but the, the suburban is the one thing that they're really kind of hounding me on trying to get done just so that way I can have, um, I guess there's a, a guy from British Columbia that built an all wheel drive, uh, C10. And he actually asked me how I did some of the stuff on my suburban while he was building his truck. And he did a, The hoonigans have a this versus that. It's basically like daily transmissions, but it's all drag racing. So they I mean, they line up a a shit shitbox Nissan two forty Z twin turbo like eleven hundred horsepower car against a a brand new like Lamborghini or Ferrari. And they do a, a standing start drag race or they'll do a rolling start. And they asked him to come down to California from British Columbia, which is probably a good 18 to 19 hour drive and he towed his truck all the way down and he raced, uh, I think he raced a Corvette, uh, and he, he just completely blew the doors off the Corvette and he's got a single turbo six liter LS in it, but it's, he's got a, uh, the running gear is out of an escalade. So it, it's kind of a, a shorter wheelbase, I guess, but he unibodied it and all that stuff. Um, I want to say his Instagram is, uh, boosted speed uh, boosted sport, I believe. Uh, super cool guy, great guy to talk to. Uh, and he's, he's basically like me. He's, he just doesn't understand how he got so much attention and, uh, so much interest in his truck just for building it to be different, you know, just a, an all wheel drive truck. And he's, he's messaged me a couple times since the video and since all the, the, the car shows and everything that he's gone to and all the other videos and everything. And he's like, dude, how, how did you do it? Like all the, all the fame and the, the people asking you how you did it and how you did that, what parts you use and all that. I told them you just got to bite the bullet. And as they come in, just answer them, you know, as wholeheartedly as you can give them as much information as you can. But if there's something secret that you don't want them to know, don't tell them, you know, just tell them it, it's something you got to figure out on your own. Good luck. But other than that, if it's simple stuff, just tell them yeah no, I know I took a front front end and a, a transfer case out of an escalade and built the chassis to it and then uh, you know same thing with me it's a it's an 88 to 98 Silverado uh, front and transfer case you know it's a it's one of those weird NP like 210 transfer cases uh, and other than that it's just you know you gotta you gotta build it to suit the vehicle um, and just go from there but yeah, uh, uh, cool. I mean the Hoonigans are—they're so well known. They're so big, um, and it, 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 they basically started with Ken Block and Brian Scotto, who are the main main creators of Hoonigan. They were just selling merchandise when Ken Block was uh, doing the rallycross back in the early 2000s. Um, I mean, their their whole—I mean it, it's a really cool video to watch—is the basically how Hoonigan started, and it, it all spawned with selling T-shirts. And merchandise at SEMA. Um and that that's basically where where it all started for them. So they, they started so small and they're so world known now. It's it's mind blowing.
1: Yeah, it's impressive. I'll tell you what it'd be cool to to get eventually when yours is done is to get your yours and, and, and his all drive and, and go drift them together. That'd oh, be pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah, that's yeah. I think
2: that's the intention that they want to do and that's we're kind of we're in communication back and forth, me and uh, uh, the guy up there in British Columbia. Uh, but he's, you know, he's tinkering on his and he's making it go faster, and he's adding methanol injection to it and stuff. And here I am, you know, trying to trying to start a business, and I've got a a '54 Chevy two hundred and ten car that I want to start building. Um, so I mean that the Suburban's kind of been been on the back burner, but I just there's so much stuff you know, there again, having to buy it compared to build it with the LS stuff, you can't just make an injector harness. You know, I, I can't just, I can't just, uh, you know, weld together a throttle body and make it, make the butterfly work and everything off the cable and stuff. It's it, that stuff that I have to buy, but I have to do all of that around my customer's vehicles and make sure I have money for, you know, to keep the lights on and the, the machinery that I need for the, the tooling and everything. And then I can buy, you know, spark plugs or I can buy, you know, a set of lug nuts. You know, it's it's I'm slowly, slowly working into basically next year is going to be when the Suburban is going to be fully caged, have a floor running and driving, drifting, all that stuff. So, I mean, it it might have he might not be as popular with the truck come around next year, kind of like with mine, you know, after the last two years since that video came out with him again. Um, It still has, it still has a following, but it's not as much as you know. Pull into a parking lot. And somebody says that's the truck from the Hoonigan video. You know, yeah. you know oh, you were, you were on Hoonigan. Um, He's that's basically where he's at now. Everywhere he goes, that truck's on Hoonigan. That truck's on Hoonigan. He's with the Hoonigan. So it, it's it it it's crazy because you go from basically like rock bottom to the top of the mountain with attention, and then it kind of just slowly starts to fade out again. And then you do something else that's completely different that nobody thought you could do with the vehicle, and you're you're back on top of that mountain, and and that, that's kind of where where I'm at now is I'm I'm starting to climb back up that mountain with a suburban because the the amount of attention that I've gotten taking it to LS Fest um, in April over to Vegas, and it it was basically just a rusty frame had everything thrown together painted it white the like two days before we left just to take it over there and showcase what I was doing. And I, I hoped and intended on Dino's and SEMA of this year to have it running and driving so I could drive it in, but starting your business, like I was saying and everything. The only thing I did for a car show this past weekend was I painted the frame black. Like I, that's all I've done since April. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's taken a lot of time to get where where I am now. And that's basically working, working for a guy at a shop. So I had, I had the time to work on it, you know, at lunch and the the tooling and the machinery and all that stuff where I could just knock everything out. You know, I, I built that chassis in probably two weekends, but now I have to, I have to use the machines and the equipment on the customer stuff. So I don't just be, I can't just go and take something, you know, off the shelf and, you know, make a, Make a transmission tunnel real quick and throw it in the suburban because my time is now my money. So I have to I have to work on the customer's car to make the money. Other than I'm getting paid for eight hours, I'll take my one hour that I have for lunch and build something out of the parts and the material that a customer has bought that is sitting over you know up against the shelf that's left over. So now now my intentions are. Do the job first and then play. But by the time I'm done doing the job, I just I don't want to do anything. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, no. go home, crack up with some beers, and just relax. So, yeah, I feel your
1: I feel your pain. I mean, I guess the key the key for you is 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 to ride the wave of of you know like with your truck and with the suburban is is to convert that popularity into business for your shop, so you can continue to do what you want to do and build other stuff, right? Exactly,
2: and that's that's the you know that's that's the fine line that you have to dance with toys and hobbies compared to uh, work and advertisement. So the the truck, like I was saying the truck I didn't build to have attention. So everybody that sees the truck, they know the truck, they've seen it out there, they know what the truck is, but it's still different. The suburban I'm, I'm building to advertise the fabrication of taking a four wheel drive and putting air suspension on it and setting the frame on the ground. Or doing the wide body portion of it in the, the aspect of custom sheet metal and fabrication and the roll cage for, you know, the race stuff and the race side of it and all that stuff. So the suburban is the main billboard for my shop. The truck, it's already out there. It's it's advertisement, it's it's great attention, but it's it's old advertising. It's like taking a a billboard and putting it up on the side of the freeway. And reading it for two months. You know that billboard, you know what it says. While you're driving by, you can just say it to yourself, and there it is. Then a new billboard comes around, and you go, oh my God, what's that? It's a different color, it's got weird stuff on it, and the writing is all different. You kind of forget about the last billboard. But with me, that last billboard is basically in front of the billboard that they just put up. So it, it's there, it's still different, it still catches your eye but you're drawn to the new one that has the new writing and the lights and the flashy stuff around it and all that. So it's, it, I need to, I need to finish it. <laughs> uh, I need to finish the Suburban so that way I can enjoy it and I could drift it and I could showcase what it's capable of and what I could do and what I could build. But you know, in the, in the long run, it's just, it comes down to, to money and business. Um, and I, I never thought I'd say that because I'm, I'm the type of person that wants everything right now, or I'll, I'll build it right now, or I'll spend every single dime I have to make something so cool and so awesome, but then struggle for the next like three months, four months. So it's, it's a big, I guess, growing up change that I have to, uh, remember, um, is, you know, you, you have to, you have to work to play. Um, and it, it, it's hard, you know, it, it's hard cause I've, I've got my truck. I've got suburban I'm building. I have the ramp truck now that I'm going to be using for the suburban, which I, I sent you a photo of, um, on the back of it for the car show. But I want to get that thing painted. I want to put airbags on that. And it's a 86 C 70. Um, it's, it, I mean, the thing has gotta be a three ton truck. That fucking thing is massive. Um, but I want to I put airbags on that, and I want to paint it, and I want to have that thing sitting on the ground with the Suburban on the back of it for Dino's. Well, Dino's is in three weeks. So, you know, it's kind of one of those, well, that's not going to happen, so what can we do to make it look cool and still go? So for, for this year, I'm going to have the ramp truck, the Suburban, and I'm going to be towing the truck out behind the ramp truck. So I'll have all three basic, like, billboards, sitting out there for people to see even though the truck's been there for three years um and it, it's hopefully hopefully going to be the talk of the talk of the show um with you know with everything set up and the way it's all going to be as as much as i envision it um but Dino this year is going to be so much bigger because it's at the stadium now um it, it's going to be very very publicized and and well known that uh, it's it's a lot bigger than it has been. So hopefully hopefully there's a lot more foreign influencers there, um, as well as out of state, uh, farther out of state uh, truck guys that go. Um, but you know, there again, it's it's just a different color of the vehicle. So I mean, it's it's one of those that you get really excited for, but then you kind of realize that well, shit, it's like the last show that we just went to.
1: So. Yeah, no, for sure. No, it's good. I'm, I'm <clears> spilling. <throat> I can't get over this year. It's um, obviously we haven't been out travel for a while, but I, I, think with the new location and and with international travel open again, I think it's going to be massive. And um, yeah, I'm catching up with Dino. Hopefully next week we're going to do another little episode to um, to pump the show up for the Aussies because there's a, I, I know of quite a lot of Aussies coming over this year to check it out. So uh, nice. yeah, it, it'll be it'll be on awesome. it. Yeah, that will be awesome. Yeah, cool, Sean. Well, mate, I think we might need to wrap it up, but um, hey, really appreciate uh, hearing your story and, and I can certainly, um, you know, I'm sort of in that transition of trying to trying to shift towards being a, a full-time builder myself and I totally understand the struggle is real and, and trying to build your own vehicle in the background, which, which isn't easy, but uh, if, if people want to check you out, um, you're on Instagram, so you're at brodini2828, um, and we'll have some links with this, but also um, so your shop it's at old underscore school underscore creations.
2: Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, School isn't school isn't the the normal way. There's no H,
1: so it, right. it's kind
2: of like old cool creations, but just throw the S and a hyphen in there uh, when yeah, you when cool. you see it. So it, it's basically building cool shit, but uh, the way they used to back in the day. So it's yeah. it's a. It's a uh, vintage look with a modern twist is kind of what I, what I tell everybody. And when they, when they see my truck and the suburban, all that stuff, they, that's when they kind of go, Oh, now I see what
1: you mean. Yeah. Awesome. No, it's definitely uh, unique and uh, it's good to see. All right, buddy. Well, uh, thank you very much. And yeah, we'll, we'll have a heap of photos and stuff up and, and some links on the, um, on the episode page. Um, yeah. And hopefully maybe next year, I'll get out there to Dino's and uh, and come check it out. Yeah.
2: Yeah, come on, come on over, and whenever you're, whenever you're in uh, Southern California, hit me up, and uh, we'll we'll go do some we'll go do some stupid stuff in the truck.
1: <laughs> for sure. All right, mate. All right, good talking to you. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, Even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.